You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hey. Hey, man. Ethan. How you doing? I am great. I, I am Tony <laughs> the Tiger. I'm great. I really, I doubted you. Like. The entire time he said that. I'm like, Frosted this is, Flakes. This is the man who says that is not great. That, That's wow. Just, it sounded you like. You calling me a liar? It sounded fake. I, I ain't calling like, you late for dinner. <laughs> I think of that frequently. <laughs> I think of that. I think of that. Shout out to the sense. '90s kids who watched cartoons. <laughs> how do you think of that frequent? Like, how does that? That just, line just sticks in my head, and it has for decades. <laughs> just like, just like working. Are you calling me a liar? <laughs> I'm calling you for dinner. That's, I think about that line so often, like probably on a biweekly basis. That is, I don't. I'm I not don't comfortable either. Think so. that I think about anything on a. A bi-weekly, that's a lie. The Lord our God. That, wow. Oh, geez. You just, you just, the Lord our God juked me. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. It's not a, it's not a Jesus juke. It's different. It's yes. more, it's, it's a little more God the Father. Right. That person of the Trinity. Right. I don't know how you, how do you Holy Spirit juke somebody? I'm not even going to try ever. Yeah, that's for another episode, <laughs> for another time. Yeah. Today we are in official episode two, two. of... Our creative commentary yeah. series. We're going to be uh, looking at the biblical theology of the mm-hmm. book of Exodus yes. and unfolding that and seeing how cultures shaped in that uh, that light, shaped by those themes, what we see uh, in Exodus and how we see that playing out in culture around us. So yeah. hopefully you've, you're, maybe you're lightly familiar with the book of Exodus. And if you're not, well, we're just going to... I'm light. I'm at least lightly familiar. Yeah, lightly. I mean, have you seen... Okay, if you... Even if you haven't read the book of Exodus, maybe recently, have you seen the Prince of Egypt? Yeah, surely. The greatest, greatest Bible movie of, film of all time. What, 1998? 1998, 20 years like, ago. And they had like a top build cast too. They did, man. It is, it'll bowl you over. Yeah. It holds up over time and that's rare. It, it does. It really does. So anyway, we're going to be in the, the book of Exodus. So here's what we're looking at. When we're talking about Exodus, again, we're talking broad themes, biblical theology, letting each book of the Bible unfold Mm -hmm. what it wants to unfold when it wants to unfold it. So just as a pickup, so we understand where we are in Exodus, Abraham's family that has gone down through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Jacob's 12 children who become the 12 tribes of Israel, they have ended up in Egypt at the beginning of the book of Exodus and at the end of the book of Genesis, Mm -hmm. right? Now, at the beginning of Exodus, we see that the Pharaoh of Egypt is he's not too thrilled with what's going on with Israel, with this family here. They've grown. They've been mm. fruitful and multiplied and they're all <laughs> over the place, right? And he's like, I don't like this. And so he basically enslaves them. Okay. Um, and eventually he, he actually wants to kill all the baby boys. Right. So what we have at the beginning of Exodus to set the stage is slavery. The people yeah. of God are enslaved. The promises that God made to Abraham and his family seem like a far off dream. Doesn't seem like the promises of land and blessing and all mm. those things are going to come to fruition because they've been enslaved by the Egyptians. 
And they're actually enslaved for 400 years. Uh, So you have multiple generations that have died, actually, by the time we get to the point where God is. Is there like an estimation of the numbers, like their numbers at that point in time? You got to be talking hundreds of thousands, millions. I mean, it was just they they were. I mean, you think about the time the family goes to Egypt at the end of Genesis, there are 70 of them. 70, like just from one man. Exactly. Like that's his family. It's 70 people. So it's quite quite a number. And so one of the themes that you deal with in Exodus is deliverance from slavery and oppression. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a pretty clear and broad theme right from the outset. And you see this play out pretty symbolically and pretty practically throughout the book. And this, I think, highlights the importance of symbolism and imagery in biblical theology. So you take, for instance, Pharaoh, right? He is this evil figure who has enslaved these people, and he's using them for his own selfish purposes to build up his own nation, his own kingdom, advancing his own interests at their expense. Mm -hmm. Just a fun little tidbit of, of, like, you got to have a little cultural awareness of what was going on there. But you remember in Genesis 3, who was responsible for deceiving Adam and Eve? It's a serpent, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what is probably on Pharaoh's crown? Yeah, it is in fact a serpent. It's a serpent. Is that right? Is there like a real connection there or are we being like conspiracy theory? So like, it feels it's like symbolically <laughs> like it's not like. Oh, OK. Um, OK. We're OK. We're not saying we're not drawing like cosmic oh. parallels. We're saying, isn't that interesting? Yeah. That it's are, like this okay. kind of symbolic like, oh, okay. you know, isn't that kind of um, it's like this little sprinkle like back in know, my comfort zone now. Yeah. It's this little <laughs> sprinkled. Uh, it's like, what, what kind of podcast am I on? Yeah, what are we doing? But, you know, you kind of see these like little symbols yes. that reappear. And of course, at the first showdown oh, between exactly. Pharaoh and Bang. Moses, the staffs this, turn yes. into serpents. That's Crazy. the sign that God gives to uh, Moses to say, hey, mm-hmm. show them this sign. That's interesting because at this point, in that moment, it is like God orchestrated. Yes. The whole, the serpent deal is. Right. Which is like a total turn on mm-hmm. the formula. That's yeah, interesting. It is. So that's just like a fun bit of trivia to kind of tune you into like, again, this this symbolic universe you're kind of mm-hmm. entering into with biblical theology. If you're paying, it's, those are like little tidbits, like when you're watching a movie, like little symbols Easter that eggs. maybe, yeah, like a director throws in that like, you got to be paying attention. You really got to be <laughs> right. paying attention to catch those things. Anyway, back to this theme of deliverance from slavery. So mm-hmm. you have God intervening on behalf of his enslaved people in order to bring about his promises. You see him doing this with the 10 plagues, which are orchestrated in such a way that they're kind of like a direct answer to each of Egypt's false gods. You see how God speaks directly to his people, how he makes himself known to his people. And again, this book falls into two halves, much like Genesis. The first Mm. half is really the setup. Right. The people of God are enslaved. God is going to come and deliver them through amazing signs and wonders. And then the second half of the book is God and the Israelites at Mount Sinai, where God begins to reveal Mm. the law to his people, which we go on to call the Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Covenant, or the Sinai Covenant, if you're getting really fancy into the (laughs) theological terms there. So this whole first half of the book is basically dealing with how God is going to deliver yeah. his people. And that becomes a theme that shows up again all throughout scripture, but it's very, very pronounced in that first half mm. of Exodus. So be on the lookout for that as you're reading it. The other thing you see is, and I kind of hinted at it just a minute ago, this direct revelation mm-hmm. of who God is when Moses is out in the wilderness before he becomes the deliverer. He mm-hmm. sees the burning bush. Yeah. And if you remember, 
God reveals himself as I am that I am, or I am who I am. I'm Yahweh. And he, he gives his people this direct revelation of who he is. And throughout this thematic delivery from slavery, God continues to reveal through his justice and through his salvation that he is a God like no other gods. Mm -hmm. Uh, That they're, you know, again, those plagues kind of demonstrate these false gods, like they they can't even come close to comparing to me. Like I'm throwing your gods basically back in your face (laughs) to show you I'm the one true God. It's very poetic of him. And then you, you see how throughout the book of Exodus, even after they've been delivered and they're in the wilderness and they're going to the next place, they're getting ready to go on their journey to the promised land. They've been waiting generations to inherit how he provides for them, how he demonstrates that even in a barren wilderness, he's a God who loves his people, who provides for them and he's present with them. I am who I am. So that's the other big theme you see in Exodus. He kind of reveals himself as this caring, loving, merciful God who will enact justice on behalf of his people. And then that third kind of big theme that we've hinted at is law and covenant. Right. So what you see, again, the second half of the book is that God kind of provides this basis for how his people can enter into his presence, really. And I don't want to get too much into that because that's really the entire next book, Leviticus, (laughs) okay? But it is interesting what you see demonstrated in this theme of law and covenant, of how God reveals himself through his law as well, not just through the signs and wonders, but he reveals himself through the law. What you you see is that God's people are basically, at the end of the day, almost no better off than Pharaoh is. <laughs> because <laughs> all right, at the beginning of the book, you have Pharaoh saying, basically, I want to wipe out, you know, I want to enslave these people, oppress them, and I'm mm-hmm. going to kill their boys. And he's basically set in opposition to yeah. God and God's people. So Pharaoh was kind of their worst enemy mm-hmm. at that point. But then by the time they're finally free, I mean, they've gone through the Red Sea. That's notable. And they, you actually, they close out that event with this beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And you think the story, if that's a movie and it ends right there, <laughs> that's, happy that's ending. Everything's great. Except it doesn't. Because immediately <laughs> after that, they start grumbling and saying, man, we had it really good back in Egypt. Oh, uh, we man. should go back there. And so they kind of become their own worst enemy. Yes. And they prove that. I mean, it spirals uh, from there. Yeah. And it kind of becomes this archetype of how God's people in their own way become their own worst enemy yeah. uh, because they cannot keep the law. So we're going to get in a lot more of that discussion in Leviticus, but you do see that theme yeah. played out. Mm-hmm. Um, just as another tragically ironic example, you know, God's presence is on Mount Sinai. I mean, the thick cloud and the darkness, all this stuff is happening. And while Moses is on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, which are like the they're kind of the terms and conditions of the covenant, more or less, as I that's the best way I can think of to describe them in the moment. While that's happening, they're like, hey, what if <laughs> what if we gave Aaron, the priest, all our gold? The priest. Yeah, the priest of God, all our gold, and he formed a calf out of it. What and if? we worshiped that calf. And we said that's that's the God who brought us out of Egypt. Oh, it's just this kind of tragic irony that whether or not they viewed that golden calf as a separate God or as an image of the one true God. You cannot escape like these people, like God is revealing himself to them and they cannot (laughs) keep up their end of the, of the deal. 
So those are the themes that you kind of see played throughout the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. Um, You see deliverance from slavery and oppression, how God delivers, how he loves, how he's merciful. You see how he reveals himself through his deliverance, through his judgment, through his justice. And then you see how he reveals himself and his plans for his people through the law and through his covenant Mm -hmm. with them. Now, I'm kind of curious how you think that those, some of those themes, At right? Least some of them, right? Yeah. Like we're not, again, just as a reminder, we're not talking analogous, like one-to-one ratio yeah. of, oh, hey, here's a, a story or a cultural edifice <laughs> that is a direct, <laughs> um, you know, one-to-one comparison to the themes in Exodus. But how, where, what are, what's something we mm-hmm. see in culture that has some of these strands maybe yeah. running through well, it. Well, when we were talking about this, I was looking through a list of some candidates, like all things that are just worth talking about until I, I found this particular film. It's just one giant exodus. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, is which it is Exodus Gods and Kings? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> is it the Prince of Egypt? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it is, in fact, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. came oh, out just yes. a few years ago. Um, if you're an avid article geek and read all our stuff, we actually have a, a little review analysis of it um, if you want to dive deep. But in the meantime, what we definitely don't draw out in that article is like this uncanny set of parallels that yeah. kind of crop up in this film. But basically, the setup is that you, you're you introduced to this deliverer character who absolutely does not want to be the deliverer character. Um, Which is like Moses, exactly, right? Because exactly, Moses, yeah. burning bush, I don't want to do it, God, 100%. God, I finally be like, no, you do it. In fact, the impetus of this whole kind of rescue mission, because in fact, it is in effect a rescue of slaves, of human slaves. <laughs> um, Uncanny. Yeah, it's a little, you know, um, is the female lead played by... Charlize Theron, I believe. Very picky about that last name. If you're listening, Charlize, (laughs) Ms. Theron, hopefully I did it right. Uh, But in the meantime, she's the one that is seeking to uh, rescue them and get this, in effect, take them to this fabled promised land. Wild. Um, In the middle of, uh, here they are in the middle of this wasteland, this desert. It's literally a setup for uh, the book of (laughs) (laughs) Exodus. That's amazing. But I think it even goes deeper than that because while you have them on this rescue mission trying to uh, save these people on the road, so to speak, it is a gigantic chase um, with no Red Sea. (laughs) Is that the, the other side of the coin here, the antagonist, is played by this tyrannical king. Yeah. Who sets himself up to be their savior, the morning and the evening star, as it were. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, deep, Pharaoh. Deep reverence to the prince of Egypt. <laughs> um, but yeah, in effect, you you set up all of these pieces and you play out the exodus in a completely new context. I mean, yeah. it's uncanny, but it's also what you think is, as what is this, a car chase movie? It is so <laughs> much deeper. That it's, yeah. it's uncanny. Right. When you got movies like that, I mean, they really, I think, highlight this deep longing isn't quite the word, but there's this this there's this thing yeah. in our hearts that is crying out for deliverance. Because we see this play out like not just in film and entertainment. Like this has a cultural effect that we can see throughout our lifetime and and a recent history, even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can, so you're not even talking like art or no, media. Like I beyond mean, that, like. It's like a part of our culture as a whole. Yeah. Um, so like Martin Luther King Jr., yeah. that's a great example of how 
the themes of Exodus. I mean, you're talking, okay, Martin Luther King Jr. is a minister, like he's a pastor, mm-hmm. and he's he's leading this movement of an oppressed people. And actually, it's really fascinating. I mean, because you think about it, I mean, the Exodus story kind of informed, I think, that was, uh, to use the term, the meta narrative of, I think, how he probably understood what he was doing. I mean, you even think... I mean, he's very in touch with that, yeah, certainly. And, and explicitly, I mean, you get his last speech mm-hmm. before he's assassinated. And you, you can actually search this on YouTube, and it'll, it'll absolutely give you chills. It's, it's weirdly prophetic. It was almost as if when he was giving that speech... If you didn't know about it, you think he knew, like, I'm dying. Like, I'm going to die. And, like, these are my last words. But what he says, actually, and I'm going to be paraphrasing this just a bit because I can't remember it exactly. But he he gives this rousing speech. And what he says at the end is, I've been up to the mountain. I've seen the promised land. And he, you know, kind of drops the mic and walks away. And that is Exodus imagery through and through Mm -hmm. the specific explicit imagery comes a little toward the end of the Pentateuch, but it is Exodus imagery. It is the imagery of there is a promised land and we are an oppressed people and we do need deliverance. And I've seen that there is a promised land that the rescue operation has in effect begun. And though we're not quite there yet we're on our way we're moving and of course everything in between kind of um that's yeah. <laughs> that's where things get you know that's where things get kind of complicated and that's true in the book of exodus and that's true of life i think and it's mm-hmm. true and i mean even in mad max yeah. i mean you think oh they broke out like there's a scene you know spoil or like you know there's a scene where they i mean they're they're out mm-hmm. they're they're in the vehicles they're and they're clear. And it's like, oh, they should be in the clear. No oh, way. Not. And basically the rest of the movie, I mean, it's just yeah. like, no, like it's not that simple. Yeah. And the rescue of humanity is not that simple. Yeah. Um, you know, we sometimes fall in the danger of, you know, well, Satan's been defeated, you know, <laughs> Pharaoh's been, you know, dethroned and to an extent, yes. It's true. But, but. Uh, you know, if, if the story of Exodus shows us anything, it's that we still often become our own worst enemy on our way to the promised land and that Ooh, we still yeah. have a lot to learn, a lot to grow in, and uh, it's going to take a lot of help from God to do mm-hmm. that. Um, it's going to take uh, that unseen hand. I don't know, did you see a little bit of that in Mad Max? Is there kind of, I think there's some moments of kind of this like... Well, uh, Furiosa is missing a hand. <laughs> no, uh, it was just a low hanging. I just <laughs> wanted to make that reference. Uh, no, no, uh, feed that to me again. So is that something that appears in Mad Max, this kind of unseen hand that's like mm. kind of things work out maybe okay maybe so in a way that i think i would just normally write off as movie magic Mm -hmm. like oh of course this thing happened yeah in a sense they do always i don't want to undercut the film now but that's an interesting thing. I yeah. actually might need to look for listeners. You can look for this. Go back, watch it, give us some feedback. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but that's interesting. Actually, I kind of appreciate that yeah. prompt. I don't know for certain, right? Right. But perhaps in small ways, it's not so far fetched. Yeah, and like I said, that might not even be a thing. Again, that might not be something that. Uh, right. They don't set out to retell. I think George Miller. Yeah, George Miller. It, I think it's just a happy coincidence that we see. Well, I say coincidence. I think it's what happy providence. What am I supposed to say here? <laughs> that we we see these threads like uh, pop up in such poignant ways. Because another thing, I actually want to reiterate 
reiterate it and iterate it. But here we are, um, <laughs> is that these threads of story are not just like pasted on as obvious things. And we're talking about them here as though they're super obvious, but in fact, yeah. they're very much embedded in the story. There's story reason for these things to be happening. They're a part yeah. of this new narrative, yeah. which is skillfully done, honestly. Yeah. And I think it's even true when you're considering scripture and biblical theology, to even come back to that, like the themes that we're talking about, they're, they're not like, you know, chapter headings that say right. maybe an excess some are. That, <laughs> may, that may be low-hanging fruit. But I mean, a lot of these themes, you know, they're not just going to be like explicitly stated mm -hmm. for you. I mean, you, you have to be reading this with an engaged imagination mm -hmm. and you got to be thinking through, oh, well, what's, what's the story underneath this? Yeah. And um, what is this telling me again about God, mm -hmm. his purposes, his plans? And what is it telling me about Myself, me yeah. and the society that I live in to quote that? I think that's very pertinent when you talk about issues of like slavery and human worth, mm -hmm. like what role do I have, like, how do I, how am I supposed to respond, you yeah. know, it, it, as we see these themes in our culture? Yeah, because, okay, on one level, which I think is what we go to first on a kind of an easy level, we have spiritual slavery, mm -hmm. right, that Jesus Christ, you know, Exodus, again, kind of foreshadows what Jesus is going to do later. We'll get to that much, 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 <laughs> much later when we start talking about the Gospels. But on another, I mean, real level, physical slavery yes, actually, yes. and the oppression of minorities, mm -hmm. um, I, that is still very That's scary, real. So it's not just a, oh, you know. It's not so far off. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's not just spiritual slavery because, I mean, that can that will lead you to eternal death if you continue <laughs> in those chains. But, I mean, there is a physical world where sex trafficking mm -hmm. and all kinds of different forms of, of slavery exist in the world physically. And you read a book like Exodus, I, I, it becomes pretty, pretty clear that God hates that, yeah, yeah. you know, that is not his design for human beings. And so really just, it engages your imagination on, you know, the level of who you are, who God is, mm -hmm. um, and then even stories. I mean, like Mad Max, like yeah. the story of... And that's something that got like critical acclaim in the public eye. Yeah. Like, that was not a quiet movie that just like passed by the wayside. It was in the forefront of culture when it came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's still very much in the eye of people. When you think about yeah. the Endant Movement, if you were familiar with that, that was like really, really popular a couple years ago, which was about, again, it was sex trafficking. I think it's A21, not to be confused with the film A company, A24, <laughs> exactly. A21. You're right about that, yeah. Um, A21 is a an organization that's working to fight against human slavery in our day. So, I mean, these are real issues that we're talking about and that these themes kind of elucidate in the book of Exodus and then what we see in culture even. That's not something that yeah. is, uh, I mean, even, you know, atheists, they're not going to go against that. So as we wrap up here, Ethan, do you have any final comments, observations? No, that does it for me. Well, that does it for us. If you have any thoughts, feedback, you want to interact with us, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or find us on social media. Check out Horizons Church on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you, as always, for listening. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now.
I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory 